The church we see is a family. A community of people from all cultures and generations. A place anyone can call home. The church we see is a reflection of Jesus. Demonstrated in the way we live and the way we love. The church we see is the hope of the world. Where lives are restored, healed, transformed. The church we see is an army of ordinary people. Yet we are kingdom ambassadors. Seeing heaven invade earth. This is the church we see. 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 Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you very, very much. Let me read you a few verses from First Chronicles chapter 29. It says from verse 10, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. For yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. And yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you have exalted, you are exalted as head above all. For both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. And in your hand are power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God. I will praise your glorious name. Uh, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given to you. The Exodus 25 says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel, that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst. Exactly as I show you concerning the patterns of the tabernacle and of all the furniture, you shall make it. And there I will meet with you. And from the above the mercy seat, from between the cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you. And above all, that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. And everybody said, it's a, it's a joy to be here. It's always an incredible joy for me to be here. And uh, I thank you so much. Thanks to you, uh, Dave and Karen. It's, uh, it's a highlight for me. I feel uh, like, um, uh, like it was almost undersold, the enormity and the importance of this. They almost undersold to me in a way because Seeing all the videos and things and all that the Lord has done, it just makes my heart move. And I recognize the nature of this day, as it were, the, another trigger point for the future, what the Lord will do. It's a wonderful, beautiful, powerful thing. 
I thank God. Today, Kemi is here with me. So, Dan, do you want to stand up for a second and let the people see that I really do have a wife and that's what she looks like. Yeah. Well, I really do commend you for all that you are doing by the grace of God. And uh, giving days are, for, they are, when you know the Lord, when the gospel is snapped in your heart, then giving days become days of joy. They become days of joy. And uh, I'll never forget the story of the guy who is some small church somewhere. You never know if these stories are true, do you? But uh, there he is in the church, and it's the de- group of, uh, the board of deacons are meeting. And as they're meeting, they're going to discuss what they need to do next as a church. And one of them says, what, what we need is a chandelier. What we need as a church, we need a chandelier. That's what we need. Well, one of them said, ever so sorry, but I, I, I cannot agree to that. I, I, I don't think a chandelier is what we need. First of all, where would we put it, he says. He says, secondly, who would play it? <laughs> so we don't have anyone here to play it. Said thirdly, if there's anything this church needs, it's more light. That's what we need. (laughs) And I guess I'm saying that to you because sometimes you're doing what we're doing and you almost think to yourself, why are we doing it again? I love the fact that it's very clear why we're doing what we're doing and it honors the Lord. I have very little amount of time because I don't want to take away from all that the Lord is doing and your response. So I'll move quickly in part of the sermon. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Bible says this. In time to come, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of all these testimonies and all these statutes and all these rules that the Lord has commanded us to do? In time to come, when your son asks you, what does it mean? All these testimonies and these, you know, things to do, statutes and rules. Says, then you shall say to him, you shall say to him, say, we were slaves under Pharaoh in Egypt. Said, and the Lord came to us. And with, 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 with a mighty hand, with signs and wonders, great and grievous. And he showed up that he was against the family, the household of Pharaoh. And he brought us out that he might bring us in to the land that he promised to our fathers. When your son asks you in the future, why do we do what we do? Tell him. Testify. Tell them of what God had done in times past. That they may know. That they too, their heart be moved. That they too get to join in the journey of the vehicle, what God has been doing. Because there's so much more that he wants to do. Let them know what the Lord has done. Because also, it will move you and evoke a sense of gratitude. As we come today to honor the Lord with our, you know, money is not all we give. As we give our praise, as we give our worship, as we give ourselves, as we give of our substance. All of these things, the greatest reason really, human motivation is to give out of a heart of gratitude. To give because you've heard the stories of yesteryears of what God has done and then honor him for it. And there's no better person really than the person David. 
Really, in many ways, you look at the life of David because his life is kind of painted for us a lot in the Bible, over 52 chapters. You see him, and he is the one, in fact, First Chronicles 29 that I read to you just now from verse 10. In the earlier parts of it, you see him giving thanks to God. At the end of his days, he's going to be moving on, he's going to be dying soon. And he, 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 he does an amazing thing because God says, you will not build a house for me, but, but, but. He, he was like, if I cannot build a house, I can make preparation for the building of the house. Yeah. And so it is that he says, and so he says, this, he said, as far as I was able, I have provided for the house of my God. Gold for the things of gold. Silver for the things of silver. Bronze for the things of bronze and iron for the things of iron. Wood for the things of wood. And precious stones, onyx and antimony, precious stones of color. All these I have provided for the house of my God. Moreover, moreover, he says, I have provided of my own treasure. Of my own treasure, I have given gold for the things of gold, 3,000 shekels of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 uh, talents of, of silver. I have given this there, and it tells you the reason why. I have done this because of my devotion to the house of God. Because of my devotion. Because of my, because of my another translation says, because of my affections for the house of God. That's why I have done what I have done. In case you look at it and say, what is the, why all this extravagance and excesses and all this expenditure? All the, because of the house of God, my heart is moved. If you were to ask him, what is it God did do for you? He would say, you see this God, I know him well because I know the way he chooses, the choices of God. The choices of God. Israel, when Israel as a nation decided they wanted a king, even though God was their king. This was an offensive thing to the Almighty. And God said to Samuel, give them a king if they say they want a king. In fact, God chose them. He knew exactly the kind of king they want. God just said, like all the other nations, he chose a guy called Saul. Saul, very tall, handsome, hair, flowing, all of these kinds of things. When they saw him, they're like, that's the guy we want. Well, it didn't take long before they realized Saul was all about himself and not about God. And while Saul was still reigning, God spoke to Samuel and said, I've chosen another. I've found a man who will do my will. Go anoint him. Samuel goes to anoint him. When he gets there, he, first of all, he's surprised. He's shocked. And in the process of it all, you see something of the choices of God. Where God Almighty is saying, I want you to go to that place. Well, where is he going? He's going to Judah, one of the smallest tribes. Small little Judah. He goes to Judah. He goes to Bethlehem, the smallest town. He goes to uh, the house of a guy called Jesse, one of the smallest families. Nobody knows Jesse. Nobody ever heard of Jesse before. Nobody. And we're going to anoint a king. You want somebody who has history and pedigree and royalty. But this guy, I mean, Samuel gets there and he says, bring your sons out. He brings his sons out and he looks at the first one. Very tall, very handsome. Very, and so Samuel said, well, surely this is him. There's no point going through this. Is, and God says, no, it's not him. Oh, it's not him. It's not him. Eliab, the toilet, he would have thought it was him because he's the first one. That's how you do it. God said, it's not the first one. Second one, uh, Abinadab, it's not him. Third one, Shema, it's not him. Fourth, on and on. It goes all seven of them. When it gets to the seventh one, it's like, well, it's got to be him. You might as well come forward. God said, it's not him. Whoa. I said, well, if it's not him, we have no, do you have any other sons? He said, no. I mean, there's one. There's just David out there in the... 
and they go find him and bring him. And they bring him in and God says, that's him. The one that didn't even get invited in is the one that gets anointed for the work of God. These are the choices, the choices that God makes. The cho- when God called Israel, he said to Israel, I didn't call you because of anything particular about you. No, 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 it's my calling of you is a commentary on me, not about you. There's nothing good in you. He says to them in the book of Ezekiel, listen to me. He said, when you were born, your father was an Amorite. Your mother was a Hittite. When you were born, your cord was not cut. In other words, nobody was there for you. It wasn't a child born in good premises. You were born in the corner somewhere and nobody wanted it. Your cord was not cut, he said. Yet you were not washed with water. You were not salted down. They would put salt to rub the child and get everything prepared. You were not even put in, you were not wrapped in clothes. There you were in your blood and rejected to the side. Said, but then I walked past and as I passed, I saw you and I spoke to you and I said, live, live. The words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life, Jesus says, John 6, 63. He spoke, I said, live. This is how God makes choices. Not many wise, not many powerful, not many of noble descent, but God chooses those things that look foolish to the world to confound the world, he lifts them up because he alone is God. The choices that God makes, God chose David. That's why David has such a heart of gratitude. Of all that he could have chosen, he chose me. He chose you sitting here today. He chose you watching online this day. He chose you. And I say if that is not enough, that would be more than enough. Oh, but David will go on to find out the grace of God on his life, the grace that God gives. That right through his life, he will see the evidences of God's grace. The first time the nation would really know him after he's been anointed, it would take such a long time before everybody begins to know him. But when they know him, it's because the nation is at war. You know the story well. And the, 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 the king is weak. The army is paralyzed with fear. David stands up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And ignoring all the weaponry he could have, the arsenal and everything he could, he leaves it all to the side and he goes forward to take down the head of this giant with a sling and a stone, buried the stone in the forehead. The the giant falls to the ground, uses his sword to separate his head from his shoulder and basically goes home for lunch. He'd be like, the whole army was scared. The, the nation won on that day because you recognize it. The grace of God is on him. From that day, the king, on that day, the king loved him. On that day, the Bible says the prince loved him for the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David from that, to the soul of David. From that day, the grace of God on him. Most of us know of David winning one battle. He fought many, many, many battles. In fact, I couldn't really find one that he lost. Why? Because the grace of God was upon him. The Bible tells us, actually, in the book of 1 Samuel, it says, and so it is, 1 Samuel 18, so it is that everything that David did, he he was successful, for the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The grace of God. If you said to David, why all this extravagance go for the things of God? He would say, because of all the people he could choose, he chose me. And then he graced me. And by the way, while we're at it, he showed mercy to me more times than I deserve. More times than I deserve. 
Because this guy, David, you know, yes, he was a good soldier and so on. Oh, but there were so many sins in his life. There are so many things he did not do well, he did not do right. On one occasion, he decided that he would count the number of the people in the land. It sounds like a somewhat innocent thing. Of course, we all count. Oh, no. no, there's something else going on. It's like Nebuchadnezzar who wants to count so that he can say, this great Babylon which I have built with my own hands. There's something of pride seeping in. He was not supposed to do it and he offended God when he did. Oh, he was a sinner. In the book of Deuteronomy, the kings are told, you shall not multiply wives unto yourselves. It's exactly what David did. He had more wives than China had rice. Well, certainly his son did. He had wives, and God said, don't do that. He did it. He was not the father he should have been. He wasn't. But perhaps the most well-known sin, well-known for good reason, because it, was just not, it wasn't just one sin, it was, a comp, it was a myriad of sins, was when he saw somebody else's wife, and because he had the power and he could, he took somebody else's wife in, and finding out that she's married, he then make sure the person gets executed on the front line. So that it's not just adultery, it's murder, it's lying, it's cheating, it's all these things. And the prophet comes to him and says, you know, I want to tell you a story. There's a person who has a little lamb and there's another one who has a lot of you know, animals and the one with lots goes and takes the one single lamb that this guy had and he took it and he killed it and he gave it away. David was enraged, who did such a thing? He says, thou, thou art the man. You're the sinner. And on bended knees, he went back to God. And he said to God, I have sinned. Is where we get Psalm 51 from. I have sinned, O God. But whatever you do, punish me all you will, but don't take thy Holy Spirit from me. Don't take that Holy Spirit. He pleaded with God and God forgave him. Forgave him. The mercy that God shows. This is why this guy is grateful. The mercy that God has shown in his life. God was there with him all the time. The rejections that he faced in his life were many. Because he had problems in his own household. Yes, he was a soldier. He could fight. He was an incredible leader for strategy. But in his own home, he wasn't, he wasn't the man he needed. He wasn't the father he needed to be. So when they had internal problems and one son raping one daughter and another son angry and he did nothing about it, Absalom, his son, would take matters into his own hand and began to hate his father with perfect hatred. So much so that he actually came back into the land and his intention was to drive his father out and he did it. He won the hearts of the people. He won the hearts of his father's wisest advisors. He won all their hearts. He undermined his own father. And then he marched an army right to the palace of his father. Then he went into the palace and took all the father's wives up on a roof and molested them all in public view so that the embarrassment can be complete. This is David, God's man, God's anointed, God's chosen. And here he is rejected by his people, rejected by his son, rejected by his friends. So much so, he had to leave before Absalom got there. He had to be virtually begged and frankly forced to leave. And as he's leaving, as if the embarrassment and the, is, uh, is not enough. As he's leaving, the Bible tells us this, that he leaves walking barefooted. He's leaving walking barefooted with his head in his hands. 
It's covering everything. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 30. He's, he's, it's a walk of shame. It's a walk of, because he had been so rejected. In fact, as he's leaving on that moment, there's a guy who is an enemy of his. And the guy sees him. He says, that's David leaving. And instead of kind of helping or empathizing, he shouts at him, you go away, you wicked man, David. You took the throne of Saul. You took the throne of Saul. This is good for you. You're a dog and he's stoning. He's speaking to the king like this. His name is Shemai. He hates David with perfect hatred. And David's few handful of men who are with him, these soldiers are all gone. He just has a handful of men with him. They say, we, should, we shouldn't let this man speak to you like this. Should we deal with him? David says, no, you just leave it. He says, God has allowed this to happen. He has to leave and goes onto the Mount of Olives. These are the dark days in the life of this man. Rejected. Rejected. That's when... When everybody's against him, when he pens Psalm 3 and says, Oh Lord, how many are my foes? How many of those who are against me? They say there's no salvation in God for him. But thou, oh Lord, you're a shield for me. And you are the glory. You are the lifter of, of my head. And God came. And God delivered him. And God took him back into the land. And he got to reign again. So that the rejection in his life, God stopped it. When I, was, when I was 14 years old, having grown up with a single mom, at 14, I didn't really know my dad hardly. When I was much younger, eight years or so, I'd gone to his house once or twice, and those memories were there. When I was, didn't really know him, I loved when I went there for those few days, but at the age of 14, I said to my mother, I want to see my dad. And for three days, she did not speak to me. When you're 14, you don't understand what's going on. And your mother, I grew up with her, single mom. Off my mother and father, I'm an only child. They went on to have other children. But she, she was so... And the third day, she came to me and said, you can go and see your father, pack a bag. Pack a, and I packed a few things. And she put me in a car to go take me to my father. I got to my father's house. I knew it wasn't, my mother wasn't happy about this, but I got there. My father was a fairly wealthy guy, gated premises and so on. I said to the guy who took me, would you wait for me? Let me just knock and check that they are in. So that, and he says, oh no, I have strict instructions to drop you and I am to immediately turn back. I'm not to bring you back. I knocked the door. Eventually I got in and I met my other siblings, brothers and sisters, and I'm seeing them, and I'm greeting them, and you see the resemblance, something happens in your heart. I say, where is dad? They say, he is next door. He had two, on two homes, side by side, and the other was his office. I walked into the office, and when I got there, the secretary there saw me, I knew he must be one of his children. He said, you can go in. As I walked in, he's sitting down, his legs are on, he actually on his desk, crossed on his desk, he's reading a newspaper, and he puts it down and sees me. I knew when he sees me, how he would jump and hug me, and now haven't seen me for years. He puts down the newspaper, sees me, and puts it back up and says, what are you doing here? I, it, wasn't, it wasn't what I thought would happen. What are you doing here? I said to him, well, I thought I'll come and see you because I haven't seen you for. He said, you go back to where you came from. You are never welcome here. You are never. I, 
I walked. In those moments as a young, you're, you crumble on the inside. Your creatureliness, your vulnerability, it shows. I walked somewhat disheveled back to pick up my bag from the other house and I had to find my way back home because I was not streetwise. My mother, good woman, but she had her own problems and, and we live not just in a gated house, but nobody ever hardly came into the house where everything was always locked. I get back to my mother's house and I tried to knock to get in and for something like two or three hours would not let me in eventually let me in, probably more out of embarrassment of what the neighbors are looking at. When I get in, she said, what are you doing here? I said, he said, I couldn't stay. She said, you can never stay here again. You go back to him. And I pleaded and pleaded for hours on end to allow me to stay. And I had to write that I would never ask of my father again. So when I read of David's rejection, I know what that looks like. Maybe you had something like that in your own life. But yet God came to David and he delivered David. And for someone like me, when people say to me, you work too hard or you give too much, or you, I, I, they just don't know my story. They just don't know where I have come from. They just don't know what he did. Because in those dark days, I learned three things. That God is faithful, God is holy, and that God is my father. From that moment on, no human being really meant that much to me compared to God. That God is my father. And it's out of God being my father that I give this service to God that I give. It's out of God being my father that I thought, I will serve this God all the days of my life. I will. I will serve him. It, it grabs you. It grips you. You have no, no choice. And I love it. I love it. So you can imagine when I heard and read in the books that God is building a church. He's building another house. He's calling it the church. And he's showing all those who would actually look to see it. The church that we see, right, full of different people, but it's actually one family. It's full of different cultures, but it's one kingdom. It's full of different callings, but it's one king. It's full of different griftings, but it's one army. God's church. That's why I give myself. No wonder David said, I have given gold for the things of gold. Silver for the thing. I'm not scheming away. I know what God has done in my life. The service of God. And while we're at it, might as well talk about his sovereignty. Because whatever we have brought to him, it all came from his hand anyway, he says. After all, yours, oh God, is the power and the majesty and the glory and the victory. I read it to you. He said, in your hand is riches, in your hand is honor. It is you who gives greatness and it's you who gives strength. And anyway, everything that we have, if we bring it back to you, oh God, for all everything came from your hands in the first place. So we give out of gratitude. We give out of gratitude. And he says, when you do that, he says, then there are promises that I make. The choices that he gives, the grace, the mercy that comes, the rejection that he stops, the service that he requires, the sovereignty he displays, and the promises, the promises of God. Where he says to Moses, when you do this, I will meet with you there. Where? In the place of giving. I will meet with you there. He says, not just will I meet with you, I will speak to you there. Not just will I speak, I will give to you there. 
so that out of your giving, he comes back to give. Would you stand up with me, everybody, as I close? I was so moved as we worshiped this morning, some of the words that, that Karen brought about all that is going on around the world, that we serve a holy God. I leave you with this. Because just as the king David was kicked out of the city on the Mount of Olives in dark moments, reminds me of another king who himself came down from heaven and was rejected. John chapter 1 verse 12. And went outside the city and died but rose again and then came back into the city. And now he's looking for people and he's choosing them. He's making choices everywhere. He's giving grace. He's showing mercy. He's forgiving sins. He's doing what he, the king, came to do. In this church, you've seen the goodness and the grace of God. And yet I think the Lord will say, I've only just begun. It's been great being here. God bless Kinsgate.